the unknown. Mystery. Space. Have fun. Adventure. Suspense. Fantasy. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Welcome to journey number 167 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring Beezer's Ghost, as presented by the Quiet Please radio program. I am your guide on this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Hey everybody, welcome back for another old time radio episode here on Journey Into. This one's been a little bit long in coming. Sorry about that. But I'm looking forward to presenting this to you. As a casual fan of old-time radio, you run across shows that you haven't heard of before every once in a while. And in the last year or so, I came became aware of this old-time radio show called Quiet, Please. And once again, it was from the uh, Old-Time Radio Essentials podcast that comes from the Noreda Radio Company. And uh, I'll put another link to the show notes on here. One of the hosts of the show was a particular fan of the Quiet Please radio program, and they presented an episode called uh, Tanglefoot, which was kind of a strange and amusing episode. But what particularly caught my attention was the style that the show was presented in. I mean, you know, like most radio dramas of the era, this was 47 to 49, I believe, 1947 to 1949. You know, so it it is kind of a dark fantasy story. Um, And many of the anthology shows at the time ran, you know, these types of shows. But the telling of it was done a little bit differently. It wasn't as, I don't know what the word is, not, not exploitation, but just sensational maybe that's the right word you know they they you know had very dramatic music and dramatic storytelling where the story that i heard was more subdued it was more conversational i guess you could say the the way it was presented was it it seemed more like uh real people having a conversation rather than being over the top or very dramatic narrations and readings and things like that. And there's definitely drama and even melodrama in some of this, as you'll tell from the episode that we hear today, the the Beezer's Ghost. But I think it's also presented differently. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this story. I, I didn't. I wanted to present a ghost story. So I put it on a poll for the members of my Patreon to vote on. And I picked four different ghost stories. And I listened to all the stories and I would have been happy with, with any of the four that were picked, but I guess I'm happy that Beezer's ghost won the poll. Uh, there was another episode that I particularly liked that nobody voted for called take me out to the graveyard, uh, which was kind of a neat 
story as well, the, the thought behind it. But it was about a taxi driver that had several customers that asked for him to take them to the graveyard. The other couple episodes that were on the poll were Never Send to Know, which I guess is an old-timey phrase, or maybe it's from literature or something like that. Uh, but that's about a ghost that tries to convince a detective to find his murderer. And then Calling All Souls was about an innocent man that was condemned to death, and he pleads from help from those that were murdered to prove his innocence. Yeah, so they were all pretty good, but I, like I said, I am glad that Beezer's Ghost was chosen. That, that was probably one of my favorites from those that I listened to. So the Patreon members voted for it. I approve <laughs> of this story. So I hope you and everybody that hears this enjoys it as well. The person that's responsible for this unique style of uh, radio program at the time was Willis Cooper. And you may know that name if you're familiar with old time radio, but Willis Cooper was the original author and creator, producer, whatever, of the Lights Out radio program, which probably has more recognizability than uh, Quiet Please. Uh, but later on, Arch Obler took over Lights Out, and he's probably more known for the personality between Lights Out because he had a very strong salesman type you know, and he was in each featured in each of his episodes where Willis Cooper was just the guy in the background. He wrote the story. You know, he was the creative mind behind it. And then at the end, he just introduces what the next episode is going to be. But he doesn't really give it a lot of uh, sale where Arch Obler was more of a gregacious Stanley type character that made his personality part of the radio show. And so, yeah, I was really pleased to find this podcast. Uh, you will notice, uh, especially at the beginning of this, that there's some bad audio. It almost sounds like an old record that's skipping or scratching. Not skipping, but scratching. And there's some noise over it. It does tend to die down a little bit by the end of the episode. But I guess for a long, long time, there was only like 12 episodes of this radio program that existed out there. But... Somewhere along the line, somebody found some old archives or some old recordings of this radio program, which I think it has more than 80 episodes that are out there. Uh, but some of them had pretty bad audio quality. And this one suffers from it a little bit, but if you can get through the beginning part of it, it, it does die down by the end, like I said. So uh, let me warm up the old Wamperdime radio tuner for you here. And then you can come with me as we journey into Beezer's Cellar. I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand? Do you always begin conversations this way? My father was slaughtered by a six-fingered man. And your work will speak for itself. Thank you, Lisa. What is that? That's the ghost of Colin Childress. Seriously, that's why the cellar door is off limits, is because he haunts the scene of his gruesome crimes. <laughs> 
really die. You're not gonna leave me here, are you? Are you ass? <laughs> And of course, if you do have an app, shutting it away in an app store all too often results in nobody downloading it. It becomes lifeless, just like keeping a zombie in the basement. But wait, here comes your awesome friend Beezer. Beezer gives you the power to create your very own app within minutes. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. The American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, please, for today is called Deezer's Cellar. I looked at Marlena. Marlena looked at me when we heard this old guy talking about Beezer's Cellar. Get a load of this, Marlena, I said. And she picked up a French fry and ate it very quiet. Why we listened to the old guy. He was sounding off to another old guy. And the other old guy couldn't get a word in edgeways. So this here Beezer, they always called him Six Fingers Beezer, see, on account of he had six fingers on each hand. He never did build his house. He got the cellar dug, and then he up and hung himself in it. Well, I don't know why rightly, but... Uh, there was some talk about the cellar being dug into a cursed ground. Well, I want to tell you, there's been mighty odd doings up there, I, right, George? Up at Beezer's cellar. What? Well, fires and lights at night. And don't you tell me foxfire. I've seen foxfire, and I know it when I see it. And this here ain't foxfire. Hmm? Sixty-odd years ago. And moans and hooting and hollering all over the place at night. And trees are waving their branches when they ain't no wind. No, sir, that's a real deserted place. You couldn't get me up there with a ten-foot pole. That there place is haunted, sonny. I want another look there. No, sir... Ghosts and spirits and crawling things that hoot and holler. They ain't in my line. You getting that, Marlena? Gosh, no. Ain't been up there since I was a kid in short pants. A clique of us went up there one afternoon in the fall, and we thought we seen a skeleton laying down there on the floor of the cellar, and we cut and run. Never stopped till we got to the C and A tracks. Yes, sir, Sonny. Uh, thank you for the root beer. That there's a place to shun, and by golly, people shun it. Well, hey, it's right out past the cemetery, where you turn off to the strict Fadden Road. But it'd take quite a lot of finding. About three mile east, there's a big elm tree that was struck by lightning. Come on, Marlena, I said. But 
We sort of drifted out of the place. The car was parked up under a big tree by the side of the road. Pete was sitting there with the P-38 pistol he brought back from the war. With his feet on the suitcase with the $82,000. We stopped to count it on the side street in Wilmington on the way down from Chicago. We watched the state cops go on past us down 66. Then we switched the license plates and jogged on after him. Pete wasn't taking any chances. He had the snoot of that P-38 in our faces the minute we walked up. You uh, ought to make some kind of noise or something. I might not let you have it. Put the gun away for a minute and move over. Get in, Marlena. Did you bring me a sandwich? Barbecued pork, are they? Uh, I could eat it raw. What's cooking? Stanley's got an idea. What now? You're scared of ghosts, Pete. I ain't scared of anything. Well, that's good. What's this about ghosts? We might run into a couple of them where we're going. An old man with six fingers on each hand. Oh, a cop? He hanged himself 60 years ago. What is all this double talk? Quit hollering and eat your sandwich. Listen, what are you figuring on? I found a place to leave the bag with the money for a while. While things cool off. Leave the bag? What'd you think I was going to do? In that cellar? What cellar? Stanley, are you crazy? Listen, how'd you like to let me in on this, huh? Listen, this is a haunted cellar, see? The old man says nobody ever goes there. They're scared to go there. So am I. Oh, can up, Marlena. There ain't anything to be scared of. Only ghosts. You can always go riding around the countryside if you want to, asking some hick cop to take us. It's always the way with you amateurs. I'm no amateur. I shot the guys, didn't I? Who told you to shoot? Who told you which ones to shoot? Well, you're beefing about I didn't say anything. Well, I wished I'd never got into this. For a nice chunk of $82,000, you wish that. Well... Do we have to do it this way, Stanley? You think of a better way? Where is this place? A few miles from here. What are we waiting for? That's my boy. Oh, we won't have to stay around there long, will we, Stanley? Why, listen, baby, you think I'd go there at all if I didn't have a hot suitcase to take care of? Leave right away. I will. <laughs> we all will. Whether old Six Finger shows up to scare us or not. Don't, Stanley. Which way, Stan? Well, the old fellow said something about a road. It's thick, Faden Road. Well, well, look now, but the reason I was asking is there's a motorcycle coming down the road back there. Where? I was just kind of interested in our next move. Not that I haven't got ideas of my own. Now, put that gun away. I was only going to ask him a question. But Pete didn't have to ask him a question. Marlena stepped out of the car, and she walked right up to the man in the blue suit, and she said, How do I get to Srikfaden Road, officer? Now, the officer told her, just as polite as the head waiter. <laughs> He'd have been awful surprised if he'd known what was pointing at him while he was being so nice to the cute little redhead. Eh, what do you know? No one hurt him, I always say. And we relaxed. Well, so we found the road all right. We drove along slow, little old Model A Ford with Indiana license plates. And we were pretty quiet. I don't know what Pete was thinking about in Marlena, but I know what I was thinking about. Trees hanging low over the road. 
trees that moved their branches when there wasn't any wind. And lights in the night that wasn't foxfire. Uh, whatever foxfire is. And pretty soon there was a great big old elm tree alongside the road, and it looked as if it had been struck by lightning. So we stopped. And there wasn't any trees waving their branches or any funny noises. But we found Beezer's cellar. I wish we hadn't. There was the elm tree that was struck by lightning. And there was a fence that we busted down. There was a kind of path. Oh, it had been a path once. And it was all I could do in the dark to bust my way through the underbrush with a flashlight. <laughs> and Marlena and Pete waiting in the car ready to go into a smooching act if an inquisitive cop pulled up. <laughs> smooching. With a hiney pistol aimed under his arm over the side of the car. It was a lot easier getting the eighty-two thousand dollars than it was crawling through the bushes looking for Beezer's cellar. I pretty near fell into it. It didn't smell very good. There was water in spots in the bottom. Then it looked haunted enough. Kind of felt my back hair coming up, but I said, "Yeah, well, it's better than one of these little iron rooms they got down in Stateville." And I went back after Pete and Marlena. We run the car off the road, hoping nobody would see it. We lugged the suitcase back through the underbrush. I jumped down. Pete and Marlena climbed down after me. Good deal, huh? Looks haunted, all right. I don't like this, Stanley. Well, let's stash the bag and get out of here. How are you going to do it? We'll dig a hole, jerk, and bury it. What with? Well, didn't you... Oh, very... Oh, wait a minute, Stanley. I see something over there against the wall. Flash the light. I thought I saw it when I climbed down. Huh. A shovel. Huh. Ain't that convenient. Maybe the ghosts left it here. Cut that out. <laughs> Scare you, kid? Well, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marlena. Uh, hold the light, Pete. Uh, no, turn it out quick. There's a car coming. Okay. So much noise. You want to dig? I'll hold the light. Wait. What's the matter? Shut up. I thought I heard somebody. Go on, dig. Yeah. Pick up the bricks. Okay. Let me hold the light and you can both dig. We'll get out of here quicker. Okay. Don't do that, Stanley. <laughs> yeah, nobody gonna hurt you, kid. Nobody. Here, come back with that light. Come on, let's stop kidding around. I'm going to sit down. You'll get all wet. No, there's an old busted chair here. Oh, for the love of... All right, all right. There. Yeah, now let's go. <gasps> now what's the matter? Stanley, you didn't sit in this chair, did you? You kidding? Pete? What's the matter? Somebody's been sitting in it. The seat's still warm. And she dropped the flashlight. And it rolled down into the hole we'd been digging. The light went bouncing down and down and down and down. Hundreds of feet we could watch it. Twisting and turning and lighting up the sides of a deep, smooth shaft that seemed to have no bottom at all. 
Yeah, there we were in the dark down in Beezer's cellar. The darkness pushing down on us. There was a sound somewhere, way far off, that seemed to come up to us from the bottomless pit we had opened. And I swore. I lit a match. Pete and Marlena were leaning over the edge of the hole. Marlena jumped back and she started screaming. And she wouldn't stop till I slapped her face a couple of times. I said, cut it out. Do you want all the cops in the state to come running? She grabbed me by the arm. She was yammering like a baby. I saw it. It was looking right at me. I saw its eyes. She passed out cold. Only the quick grab that Pete made kept her from falling right down the hole. Well, Pete and I slapped some of the dirty water in her face. Pretty soon she sat up. She started to cry. And it started to rain. Look, Pete said. Look, I don't go for this, Stanley. Scared of ghosts. Oh, nuts. There's no ghosts. But I think we can find a better place to bury our dough than Mr. Beezer's cellar. Let's get out of here, please. Let's get out of here. Cut it out, Marlene. No, no, let's get out of here. I tell you, I know. You saw a reflection of the match down this old well. Well... Sure, that's what it is. It's a well. <laughs> Some of these old houses had a well right in the cellar. I, I remember it from when I was a kid. And we busted into the well. I saw eyes looking at me. Cut it out. You didn't either. We'd have been in a swell fix if we dropped the suitcase down the well. Yeah, I'll say we would. Yeah, let's dig another hole. Shut up, Marlena. Let's get out of this. I'm getting soaked. Yes, let's get out of here, Stanley. Go on, you two, if you want. I'm going to get this suitcase planted. Come on, Pete. Yeah. Hurry up, Stanley. I'll hurry. Wish you hadn't dropped that light. I'm scared. All right, all right. Cut it out. Hurry. Don't make so much noise. I'll you up first. I cannot. What's the matter? I can't find a place where we climb down. Over this way. This side. Oh, that way. He. Yeah. What's the matter? Wait. Say, you know something, Stanley? Listen, Stanley, I, I've been all around the walls of this place, and that busted place in the walls where we came down ain't there anymore. What are you talking? I'm telling you, Stanley. Light a match and look for yourself. And I struck a match, and I shielded it carefully in my hands. And I looked around the walls of Beezer's cellar in the drizzling rain. And you know what? There wasn't anything out of that place that I could see. The walls, all four of them, was as smooth as glass. And from way, way down deep in the earth, I could just see a little bitty gleam from that flashlight. I thought to myself, I... You see what Marlena meant? It, it does look like eyes now, don't it? Down at the 
bottom of a musty old cellar in the middle of the night and a hole in the floor that goes down. I haven't got any idea how far. And rain and a hysterical woman and a suitcase with $82,000. And no way to get out of the place. Great, huh? Well, you can explain anything, can't you? A hole in the floor. Sure, that was a well. The eyes she thought she saw. Sure, that was a flashlight reflecting on the water down there. And the way we couldn't get out. Well, maybe the wall wasn't as busted down as I thought it was when we got into the place. Maybe we didn't notice how smooth the walls was. Yeah, sure. But how are you going to explain that chair seat being warm when Marlene sat down on it? Yeah, that's right, Pete. I didn't want to come here in the first place. That old guy scared the life out of me. There's no such thing as ghosts. You pick a swell time to make a statement like that, boy. Well, there ain't. Maybe there is no ghosts. But there are other things. Like what? I don't know. Like things that come up out of the ground. Oh, cut it out. Give me a cigarette, Pete. You're going to sit here all night in the rain? What'll I do? Fly out of here or something? Give me a match. Wait, I'll spit for you. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Wait till morning. We'll find a way out then. I wonder if we could reach the top of the wall if we stood on that chair. I don't know. You wouldn't get me to touch that chair for a million dollars. It was warm. Ah, that don't signify nothing. As to me. What about the suitcase? What? What'd you do with it? I'm sitting on it. Is it warm? Hot as a pistol. Oh, cut it out. Cut it out. Well, I'm scared. Look, babe, I don't like this any too well either. Just sit close to me, please. I'm cold. Now move over this way. Well, don't worry, kids. In another couple of months, we'll come back and pick up our little prize package here. We'll be warm for life. All of us. If we ever get out of here. Ah, come on. You do that, Pete? No. What was it? I don't know. Stanley. Oh, well, wait a minute, Stanley. I think I know what it was. What? Wait. Stan? What? Come here. Careful now. In the damp darkness, I moved toward the sound of Pete's voice. He stuck my hand and put it on the edge of the hole I dug. See? What? A couple of bricks fell in the hole. Oh. Marlena, get back from the edge. What is this? Move back, honey. Light a match, Stanley. You got him. You like one. All right, stand back a little. And in the light from the match before it fizzled out in the rain, I saw what had made the sound. Two or three bricks had got loosened at the edge of the hole I'd dug. Had fallen in. And as I looked before the match went out, two more sagged and fell downward into that bottomless pit. Get back, Marlena, I yelled. Pete lit another match. Look out! The crack yawned open, and with a crash, a half a dozen more bricks tumbled into the hole. Below us, I could see the feeble glow of the flashlight way down there. It seemed to me the things crawled far, far below us in that horrible pit. Pete and I dragged Marlena away to the wall. There was a rumble, and the mouth of the pit grew bigger. It seemed that the glow from down there was growing stronger. We sat there, huddled against the slippery walls, frozen cold with terror. 
Another section of the floor fell in. The whole floor's gone. Come on, we gotta get out. Marlena sobbing and Pete and I scrambling at the slippery walls. There wasn't a chance. Then the rumbling stopped for a second. We flattened ourselves against the bricks. In the light that came up from down there, I could see Pete's staring eyes and the tears of fright shining on Marlena's cheeks. I said, we gotta get out of here. Help me up the wall, Stanley. Take no use to try, boys. You can't get out. And I looked up. And there, sitting comfortably on the edge of the cellar wall, grinning at us in the light that flowed up from the pit in the cellar floor, was the old man Marlena and I had heard at the roadside restaurant. The old man had told the lurid story about Beezer's cellar. Ain't no use to try. You're stuck. Oh, help, help. Don't hoot and holler, lady. Look, old man, give us a hand, will you? I heard tell of a fella long time ago that got down into this here cellar. Just like you done. Well, give us a hand. The floor's gone. I know. The floor fell in with him, too. Well, help us. He killed a fella down towards Manitou. And he come and hid here in the cellar. Give us a hand out of here. And the same thing happened to him. Never did find his body. More floor falling in, hey? Come on, give us a hand up out of here. Help us. Know what's down there? Fire and destruction. Listen, old man. Touch, boy. You know you hadn't ought to shot that poor fella at the bank up there in Chicago. Murder's bad. Uh, listen, we got a lot of money down here with us. I know it. You're criminals. Uh, we'll we'll split it with you. Don't want no part of stolen money, bub. Ain't much more left, is there? They'll never find your body. Now listen, you old bum. Now don't call me, bub. Put that pistol down. I'm... That won't do you no good, son. Too bad. Uh, listen, mister, for, for the... Uh, look, there's a woman down here. Yeah. Criminal? Like you two boys. Uh, but look. Uh, look out, Marlene. Oh, Stanley. There's Here, Marlene. Kind of figured you was listening to me back there at Saldwedel's stand. Kind of figured you'd come a-kiting out here to the cellar. <laughs> Mr. Listen to Reason. Please just reach down and give us a hand. Kind of figured I'd come along and watch and see what had happened to you. Mighty interesting. Oh, if I could get my hands on you. Can't. Not unless I let you. You can't do this to us. We are people. We are. of sin is death, I always say. You robbed and you murdered. So you got to be punished. See? You, you can't sit there and watch us die. Another hunk of the floor is going. You better move over to one side. I'm gonna get that old man. Put down your pistol, sonny. I'll get him. I told you, taint no use. Please, don't. Get him. Get him. Listen, Sheriff, I... Uh... I ain't no sheriff. 
I'm just a feller interested in seeing justice done. I recognized you back there at the restaurant. And I thought to myself, I thought, well, I'll just toll these people here over to the cellar. And we leave things take their course. Uh, look out, Marlena. Oh, Haven't you any pity, man? Not much. Not much for thieves and murderers. He's crazy, Stanley. There's an insane asylum across the river there someplace. He's escaped from there. No, son. I ain't insane. Listen. What would you give to get out of there? You you can have half the money. Ain't much time for bargaining. Give it all to him, Stanley. That's better. You ought to be willing to give up all the money to save your life. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If I was in a fix like that, I'd give anything I got. Well, we won't. Yes, we will. Floor getting hot down there? Mighty interesting. Well? All right, you can have all the money. Help us out. I know you don't, Stanley. Hang it up. Stanley, how do we know he'll help us? Wait, don't give it to him. Uh, take it. Oh, no, no, no! And Pete leaped at the suitcase I was handing up to the old man. His fingers just touched the edge of the bag when another section of floor gave way right under him. He fell down and down and down and down, twisting and turning into the fire that kept coming higher and higher up the shaft, reaching for us. And the old man took the bag and set it down on the edge of the cellar. See? That might have been you, fella. Or you, lady. Well, help us out of here. It's good riddance. He was the one that shot the fellas at the bank up in Chicago. Uh, good riddance, I always say. Are you going to help? Sure. Right in the nick of time. Here. Grab a hold of my hand, lady. I'm afraid. Uh, you dumb lady, post her, mister. Oh. There you are. Just as right as rain. All right. Now, you. And as the strong arms of the old man lifted me up over the lip of the cellar wall, the last section of the floor below us fell away into the fire. And just as if a play or something was over, the flames died down. First they were yellow, then purple, and then they just went out. Marlena grabbed my arm. Where did he go, Stanley? Where did he go? I don't... Hey, old man! Hey! Stanley! Come on, let's get out of here. Oh! What's this? Marlena! What? He didn't take the money. It's right here. And so I picked up the suitcase and Marlena and I hacked our way through all that underbrush back to the road. We were just opening the door to the car to get in, go away from Beezer's cellar. When there was sawed-off shotguns in our faces and lights, I could see the state cop's badge behind the light. He laughed and said... Come on, kids. We're going for a ride. And it's very comfortable here in the little iron room at Stateville. Then I hear that Marlena's all right down there at the women's prison at Dwight. She can stay there for 20 years. 
Me? Well, I'm going to move. They got a tight little room here for people to get mixed up in murders. Little room you can walk into, but you can't walk out. All modern conveniences. Electricity and everything. Well, the old fellow said the wages of sin is death. And I... I guess I'd rather be here than in Beezer's cellar. I really am pretty grateful to the little old fellow. The little old fellow with the six fingers on the hand that pulled me out. Today's Quiet Please story is Beezer's Cellar. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Lotta Stavisky played Marlena, Warren Stevens was Pete, and the six-fingered old man was Charles Eggleston. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now for a word about next week, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet Please. Next week, I have a story for you called And Jeannie Dreams of Me. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Now, a listening reminder. Today, David Harding Counter Spy is dedicated to Employ the Physically Handicapped Week. Be sure to tune in. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. So there you go. There's Beezer's Cellar, as presented by the Quiet Please radio program. I hope you enjoyed that. I was totally not expecting the resolution of this episode, the way it played out. Um, You know, definitely going into Beezer's Cellar, obviously there was going to be some kind of a ghost there or, you know, something frightening happened to these, this group of of, uh, criminals, I guess. That go into the that went in down into Beezer's cellar. You know, something bad was going to happen. They were going to be haunted or terrorized or killed or something was going to happen. But I never anticipated that the depths of hell would open up to receive them, <laughs> and their only way out was to the, the help of this this old guy that uh, came to taunt them. And again, I was a little bit surprised, and I, I guess I shouldn't have been, but. But he helps some of them escape, but the one of the guys does fall down into the depths of hell or whatever. But they are, they are saved. They are physically saved from death, from hell, and all these things, and they come out. But he also made sure that the police found them and that they were going to be taken to jail for their crimes. But uh, you could tell that they, compared to the fate that awaited them previous to that, they were very relieved to just be going to jail. And uh, so I thought that was a fun part of it. I thought it was interesting that this old man, this Beezer, old Beezer, I guess, is who it was, you know, had this idea of justice and he would entice people or, uh, you know, make people go into this old cellar where they could be punished for their crimes. Uh, It's kind of obscure. It's kind of a strange idea. It probably doesn't 
catch very many people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this was was kind of fun and unexpected. The other thing, you know, like I was talking about the style of this, you know, it's just kind of these people talking to each other and the things that they probably would say, and it lingers on the conversation longer than I think other shows would. And yeah, there's definitely some melodrama in there, especially when the the woman is crying and yelling and and uh, you know wanting to get away from there. Um, but again, there I thought it was interesting choices with the sound because it was very chaotic. It wasn't clean. You had people talking over the top of each other. You had people talking to each other over over the crying. You know, and then when I first heard the title of Beezer's Cellar, you know, I was thinking it was like a an old house that had a cellar to it. And, you know, the old type, you know, where you go outside and open the big double doors and go downstairs into the basement or something like that. Or maybe it was like an old potato cellar with a similar type opening to it. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would get potatoes. Well, the, a friend of his would go to North Dakota every year and he'd bring back all these potatoes from North Dakota. And, and we had a, a cellar behind our house out in the field. And I'd have to go, you know, it was my chore to go down and get a bunch of potatoes. So I'd go down there with a gunny sack or whatever, and I'd get the potatoes out of the bins that were there. And they were in gunny sacks too. And, uh, you know, and I, I kind of liked doing that as a kid. It was kind of fun to go down in the cellar and there was always, you know, dust and spiders and stuff down there. But part of it, you know, like you get down to the, to the bottom of a sack of potatoes as you're getting them and they're all gooey or, you know, they were all gooey and gross. And, you know, sometimes you'd find gross bugs down there and stuff, but you know, little kid, <laughs> I didn't care about that kind of stuff. I, I never got scared down in the potato cellar. It was just had that musty smell. Of course it smelled like potatoes and stuff. Uh, I think even one time I went down there with a friend of mine and they thought it'd be funny if they closed the door down on me and I was in the dark. But I wasn't even scared then. I just, you know, <laughs> wanted to get out. But I wasn't, like, scared of the dark or scared of somebody coming. But I could see where somebody would be, you know, in an old, musty cellar like that. And uh, But I wasn't picturing, like, an open foundation <laughs> of a cellar out in the woods. I thought that was an interesting take as well. And I, again, I thought it was interesting that Beezer, he was a ghost, I guess, but, uh, you know, he was more of a trickster ghost than, you know, he wasn't the ghost in the cellar terrorizing them or trying to kill them. He was on the outside. From what I can tell, one of the most famous episodes of Quiet Please is titled The Thing on the Forble Board. And I think I've even heard of that title before. And it's about a couple of guys on this old oil rig and they're drilling down and they unearth something that wasn't meant to be messed with down underneath, you know, far under underneath the earth. And I think there was even a version of that on an old pseudopod episode. I think it was written by Oren Gray. And I don't know if it was a riff or if he gave mention to this thing, the thing on the forble board, or if he titled it the thing on the forble board or whatever, but that seems really familiar to me. 
And when I listened to that episode of this podcast, it also seemed familiar. So I may have heard that one in the past. Um, and I thought about putting that in the poll, but I noticed that this episode is very common for people that uh, on old-time radio podcasts and old-time radio websites. And if they ever talk about Quiet Please, they always seem to reference the thing on the Forble board. Uh, which is cool because it's a good episode, but I didn't want to just be another podcast that featured the thing on the Forble board uh, kind of thing. But yeah, it, that's an interesting listen. Maybe I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I don't know what I've already committed to, <laughs> to put in the, in the notes. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll, I'll try to be better about getting another one out sooner. Um, rather than let so much time lapse in between these OTR episodes. But that's it for now. I'll be back soon with more journeys, or delusions, or excursions, or maybe I'll go trekking. Uh, which I guess points me to reference the, the Patreon for the podcast. If you'd like to join in on the Patreon, you get early and extra episodes there. Just for $1 a month. Um, there, I do a monthly personal address there on the on the Patreon, um, I also am, along with Keith Techlitz, I'm doing the Trekkin' podcast where we talk about all the iterations of Star Trek, and that's at the $3 level. So if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash journeyinto and uh, see what I have over there. If you want to email me here at the podcast, you can do so at journeyintopodcast, all one word at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have some old-time radio shows that you want me to put on here, let me know. But until next time, kids, stay safe out there and journey on. The Journey Into Podcast is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means that you can share it as much as you would like, but please do not change it or profit from it. And please let people know where you got it from. The theme music for this podcast is provided by Man in Space. <laughs> <laughs>